Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1052 of the Juicebox Podcast. Today I'll be speaking with Nicole. She's had type 1 diabetes since she was 21 months old, and she's now over 40. Today we talk about owning a restaurant, drug and alcohol use, and much more. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. You want to get five free travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin D? Use my link, drinkag1.com slash juicebox, because that's what you'll get with your first order at that link. Speaking of things you'll get, 40% off at checkout with the offer code juicebox at cozyearth.com. You'll get a great insulin pump at omnipod.com slash juicebox, an amazing CGM at dexcom.com slash juicebox. As a matter of fact, when you use any of the links from the Juicebox podcast, you're going to get great stuff and you'll be supporting the podcast. So give that stuff a look, would you? There's links in the show notes and links at juiceboxpodcast.com. This episode of the Juicebox podcast is sponsored by Omnipod. Go get your Omnipod 5 right now at omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Today's show is also sponsored by the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter. Contournext.com forward slash juicebox. Get yourself an incredibly accurate and easy to use blood glucose meter. Get the Contour Next Gen. My name is Nicole. I have been a type 1 diabetic since I was 21 months old. And uh, I am about to be 40 this year. Wow. Yeah. Not quite two. So 38 years about? Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. It was 38 years. It's been my literally the whole life. (laughs) I don't remember a life before diabetes. No kidding. Uh, One thing, Nicole, try not to like um, fuck. Move? Yeah. yeah. Well, just whatever that is. That might be a loud chair or I'm not sure what you're doing right now. Also, interestingly enough, I was going to real quick do the math on what year it was when you were diagnosed and then I realized I'm not a hundred percent sure what year it is right now. (laughs) (laughs) I was diagnosed in 1985. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, my mom was pregnant with my sister. So my sister and I are uh, exactly two years and two weeks apart. So I was diagnosed in July of 1985 and, uh, my mom was due with my sister. Uh, I think her due date was actually scheduled for the end of August Mm -hmm. and yeah, then uh, diabetes walked in and <laughs> messed it up for her. <laughs> <laughs> um, besides your sister, any other siblings? Nope, just the just the sister. The two girls. Okay. Yeah. How about diabetes, autoimmune in your family? So my sister has Hashimoto's. She was diagnosed a few years ago, but as far as we know, no other autoimmune. My grandmother has had really terrible arthritis. I don't know whether it was rheumatoid or not. Mm -hmm. I don't, I can't remember if all of the arthritis are autoimmune or if it's just the rheumatoid, but anyhow, so she, um, but that's the only, that's the only uh, history that we have. Now with that said, I didn't really know my dad's side of the family. So, I mean, it might exist there and we just, we're not familiar, but 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I don't think all arthritis is autoimmune. I'm gonna look real quick. Yeah, I don't think that they are. I really thought just rheumatoid, but again, I I don't know if what she had, whether it was that or not. She yeah. passed away a couple of years ago. I see. Yeah, this here says like yeah. osteo. Excuse me, osteoarthritis is not an autoimmune disease. Right. Okay, so real quick before we move on, your sister, do you think she had Hashimoto's for much longer than she realized, or do you think it came on at this no, age? I think I think she probably had it for longer than she realized. My sister struggled a lot through high school and uh, growing up with like various various issues, but she when she got married, she was trying to get pregnant and um, was having trouble conceiving. When they did a bunch of tests on her to see what the issues were, Hashimoto's popped up as as one of the problems. So, gotcha. okay. yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. need you to tell me a lot. I'm, you know, I'm not asking you to tell me about it. I was just interested about that. No. That's basically. Yeah, I, I think she's probably had it for a long time, but we we really kind of went undiagnosed and not not familiar. Okay. Mm. So what? I mean, your your note to me is is uh, simple and short. So I'm uh, I'm wondering what what made you want to come on the podcast. Well, so like I said, I, I've been listening to you for a really long time. Like I want to say probably pretty close to the beginning. I don't know how I stumbled upon your podcast, but um, I, I really have been listening to it for a long, long time. I'm part of the Facebook page and you had reached out on Facebook at one point trying to find some people to do after dark episodes. So that's kind of how, what I volunteered with. I have a, a few like topics that I think might be relevant to and after dark, but um, well, that's kind of why I reached out to you. Well, Nicole, listen, and, yeah. thank you for, for responding when I did that. Um, yeah. I have to tell you, I used to have trouble getting after dark episodes in the beginning, right? It was like, Hey, can somebody, and people were just like, nah. you know, every once in a <laughs> while you get somebody to jump up and be like, but anymore, no trouble. Like, well, I don't yeah, know. I think, the taboo came out of it because you were doing them enough. I imagine that people got less afraid of talking about some of the subjects that you were discussing. Yeah. Well, the problem ended up being is that I put the call out thinking I was still in the same position. And now I've got, I've got 25 recordings of people who like, you know, at some point in their conversations had my life's a dumpster fire. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think leading up to this call as well, I really, when I had, initially messaged you saying, oh, we could do an after dark. I had some topics I thought were relevant and that we could discuss, but it it doesn't need to be that way either. I mean, again, I've been doing this for a long time. So there's some, I mean, lots of topics that we can talk about that aren't necessarily after dark in nature. Well, so so let's just go and, I mean, we don't have to like point ourselves in one direction. Although now everyone listening is like, well, whoa, what's going on? I know, they're like, what's her secret? What does she want to talk about? (laughs) Maybe we'll get to it. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I've never done this before, but because you've been listening for so long, I'm going to let you lead the way. What what do you want to tell me? Oh, yeah, I think I've been kind of through the thick and thin of it. I mean, I know you have a lot of a lot of people on as well that have been in this in this disease for a long time. And I wanted to kind of, you know, I guess, share my story and my version of it. Uh, Like I said, I was diagnosed at 21 months old. There was no uh, life before diabetes. It was just always um, what I did. My family's life revolved around diabetes as well. So my sister lived like a diabetic. She, she, there was no sugar. When we went uh, trick-or-treating as kids, 
uh, obviously we would both collect whatever candy we could get. And then my mom would buy the candy off of us. So it's not like my sister was like living like a normal kid with, you know, a bunch of sugar lying around. She could just do whatever she wanted. She really lived like a diabetic too, which is kind of funny. And I, you know, when I, I'm a part of a lot of different Facebook groups for type ones. And I think sometimes I give, you know, suggestions of things that my mom did growing up that I thought were really kind of creative and wonderful. And I think treating the whole house, like we all had the disease was, was a nice way of dealing with it. I never felt uh, ashamed of diabetes. It was never an embarrassing point for me. Mm -hmm. Um, All the kids at my school knew and they all knew what to do in the event that something bad happened. Really? How, all of the teachers. Did your mom, did your mom like come into the school and explain it to everybody? Yeah. Yeah. My mom was very, she was very present at the school. So I actually went to a little tiny country school. I grew up almost across the street from the school, um, but it was in the country and on a pretty busy highway. So we had to be bused in or drove in. And my mom did a lot of, my mom was a stay at home mom when I was a kid. So she Went to a lot of the, um, you know, she would volunteer for recess to be one of the, uh, I forget what they were called, the parents that like walked around and made sure the kids were (laughs) misbehaving or whatever. She came on all the field trips. She did all of those things. So Mm -hmm. yeah, she was, uh, she was very present. And then before the school year started, she uh, made a point of sitting down with every teacher and talking to them about what to expect. And I'm in, I'm in Canada. I don't know if I mentioned that at the beginning, but so our system is a little bit different up here. We don't have yeah. school nurses or whatever. Well, but anyway, so she always made a point of, of being present at the school. And I just, again, I really don't think that it was ever like something that I shied away from. Everybody just knew. And again, it was a tiny school. So the kids I went to school with in kindergarten were the same kids I went to school with in grade six. Like there wasn't a lot of turnover. And, yeah. you know, they all just, they were familiar. They knew. Uh, they knew when Did I it- was... Did that ever, did that ever come into play? Like, did a child ever help you or? I had a, I passed out one time at school. So like I said, I was diagnosed in 85. And when I was first diagnosed, um, we were on the, you know, kind of two needles a day Mm -hmm. and Humulin N and R, and we were very scheduled. It was like breakfast at 7am, lunch at noon, dinner at 530. There was no, if you were 15 minutes late for any of those things you know, it was going to be a problem. And so I remember one time I had joined the school choir, uh, was on my way to choir practice at lunch. And I had decided to, to skip my lunch until after choir was done. And so we were walking to choir practice and I passed out on the way down the hall and a friend of mine was behind me. So she, she realized that I was fainting and she put her arms out and caught me and dragged me down to the principal's office. And when they got there, (laughs) They just said, Nicole passed out. <laughs> you have to help her. So they are, I mean, obviously the principal's office had everything that they needed, but yeah, I mean, the kids weren't giving me sugar or anything, but it also, if I needed to excuse myself in class, if I, the teachers all let me go to the bathroom whenever I wanted to, I was allowed to have sugar at my desk if I wanted to, you know, and, and everybody just knew it's not like they helped, but they also didn't make a big deal out of it. If I, if I needed something. I see. I see. Yeah. Being from Canada, does that change how the healthcare system works for you? Well, uh, yeah. So I am in Ontario specifically, and uh, we have uh, obviously good health health coverage here. Mm-hmm. 
And when I was young, I was always on my parents' healthcare plan as well. So, you know, hospital visits, things like that were never an issue. Getting supplies, access to supplies were never an issue. It just was generally covered. Became a bit of a problem when it came time to go on the pump. I went on the pump at 18. So, I mean, that's going back again 20 years ago. I was probably um, pretty early, uh, one of the early adopters of an insulin pump. At that point, I remember it being a little bit tricky trying to figure out which company was going to cover what. And you had to apply for uh, one program to cover some of your, you know, one of your insurance plans would cover some of the supplies and some of them were covered in a different way. Uh, So, I mean, it's still a bit of a challenge to figure out how you're going to get your supplies covered, but I, I mean, all of my supplies get paid for. I don't pay for anything out of pocket. It's different province to province i guess i should say pro- yeah i should probably yeah. say like province but like from province to province it's different right yes exactly okay. Okay. yeah so ontario has a pretty good a pretty good um health plan um i think alberta's up there with one of the better ones they're pretty advanced in terms of what gets covered do you, by the government and then what gets covered privately as well do you recall what your first pump was what brand it was yeah i've never moved from medtronic i've been on medtronic the whole time okay Oh, all right. Yeah. So, yeah. So when I was young, I remember uh, when it was time for a pump. You know, I ha- I was I was not a good diabetic when I was in high school. I did a lot of you know lying and sneaking food and all of that stuff. I wasn't um, good at it. And I remember going to the doctor's office, and the doctor had said, my mom had said to him at that point, I I couldn't tell you what my A one Cs were, but I know they were bad. And I remember my mom saying to him you know, what, what do you suggest we do? Like, I'm at a loss. I don't know what else to do. And he kind of threw his hands up in the air and he's like, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. It's just, she's kind of beyond help. And, um, my mom (sighs) said, well, that's not an option. (laughs) We're not just going to give up. She said, I've been reading a lot about these insulin pumps. What do you think about that? He said, Oh no, they're useless waste of time. Don't even bother. My mom again was like, that's also not good enough. So um, she switched endos immediately. We went to find an endocrinologist that believed in insulin pumps, and I was transferred to a program where um, they very quickly put me on a put me on the pump. So at the time, I think they had um, Medtronic, Animus, and there was a third one. I can't remember what it was. I think Medtronic's the only one still hanging around. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I went on Medtronic right away, and uh, and I've never switched. You said something a minute ago. I want to ask you about. Yeah, uh, I hear a lot of like a lot of adults use this phrase. Like, I wasn't a good diabetic, right? When you say that, are, do you mean good, like good at it, or good, yeah. or good like your intentions for it? Does that make sense? Like, yeah, you- it does. Make I, I, yeah. Again, I think about that the clinic that I was at, and there was there were good diabetics and there were bad diabetics, and it was there was always sort of this like, if you didn't test your blood sugars enough, if you didn't, you know do your injections on time. If you, there was lots of reasons why they would kind of say you're, you know, you're being bad. I think there was a bit of shame to it. But yeah, a lot. I mean, it's what it sounds like, but it's the, so it's the things. So the, it's the things, the it's things. the, it's the actionable items. I was always, you know, I, I, it's not like I was wildly out of control, but hmm. sometimes I would forget to test. Sometimes I would eat and forget to give insulin, you know, things like that. I wasn't great at carb counting. So there was lots of things that I think I felt like I was being bad at. And when we switched to the other clinic, I remember going in and seeing this 
doctor for the first time and we sat down and I sat in the office and I kind of cried. I was like, I know that I'm bad and I'm sorry for being bad. And I just, I don't know how to be better. The Contour Next Gen blood glucose meter is incredibly accurate. It's got an easy to read screen. It fits well on your hand and it features second chance test strips. Contournext.com slash juice box. At this link, you'll learn all about the Contour meters. Find other links where you can buy them online. That's the meters and the test strips. And did you know that those things may be cheaper in cash than you're paying now for other stuff through your insurance? That's actually true. You should check on that as well. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. It's a fantastic website. It's a weird thing to say about a website for a glucose meter, but it tells you everything you want to know, gives you all the links you need. It's easy to read. Everything's right there. It's the meter my daughter uses. It's accurate. I trust it. Contournext.com. Dot com slash juice box. Speaking of things that I trust, the Omnipod is a device that my daughter has been wearing since she was four years old. She is now 19. She's worn an Omnipod every day for all of that time. It has been nothing but a friend to us in this journey, and there are a couple of unique reasons why I think you would enjoy it too. For one, there's no tubing. For another, you can wear it while you're showering or swimming without having to disconnect. If you play a sport, uh, you can leave it on there too. There's no tubing to get caught and no bulky punk, like, you know, on a belt or strapped to your pants or whatever. You don't have to stuff something in your bra. I know how people have to get around with these tube pumps. That problem doesn't exist with the Omnipod. Also, you're going to want to check into Omnipod's options. You can get the Omnipod Dash or the Omnipod 5. One runs from an algorithm and makes decisions for you. And one is more of what we might call an OG insulin pump. Either one is a fantastic choice. Omnipod.com slash juice box. Head over there now. I think, I think, I think, I think you may be able to get a free 30-day trial of the Omnipod. You have to go check it out. Uh, The link's fantastic. Omnipod.com slash juice box. When you use the links, you're supporting the juice box podcast and helping to keep these episodes free. And she looked at me and she goes, honey, it's not your fault. It, if, if you're not having good blood sugars or if your A1C isn't right, you have to understand that there's a whole team behind you and it's all of our faults. We're not doing our jobs either. Don't blame yourself for it. And it was the first time anybody had ever been. Shared the responsibility know, with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at that point I was 18. I'd, I'd spent almost my whole life being told that I was bad at it. No, you're fine. What I was going to say is that your first doctor was bad at it. Yeah, right. exactly. And, exactly. And you're following the lead, right? It's just yes. you're being coached and your coach isn't good. And so your your results are what I mean, it's 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 like eating, right? What do they say? Like you are what you eat, right? So he's right. The, he's the food, you're eating his information and you're getting, you know, stomach cramps and and, and bloating. And that's because right. cause he sucks. So right. um, <laughs> so so when you move to this other person and you open up to them. And they they respond by by sharing the blame or the burden, I guess, honestly. Do you make a shift there? That at that point, then I went on to that they got me right away onto the pump. And that was a, a huge game changer for me. And I did. I became very interested in um what my blood sugars were. I got interested in keeping good notes. And I, I just, yeah, I did. I took much more of an interest to it. And I just, 
it, it, there wasn't, again, there wasn't any shame anymore. So I did spend a lot of time as a kid. Like I said, if I forgot to test, sometimes I would just fill in the numbers or fill in the blanks. You know, I'd be getting ready to go to clinic and I would bring out my chart with all of my blood sugars written on it and it would, and it'd have a bunch of holes and I would just fill them in. Like, I think today I must've been (laughs) 5.6, just put in numbers that sounded good and that made me feel good. The doctors obviously knew better. I'm sure they're looking at my blood sugars going, there's no way you're running a whatever A1C and yet you're saying that you're five all the time. Yeah. But so, you know, it's just, I know that we think that our lives are this like snowflake, you know, and we're making all these decisions and shaping ourselves, et cetera. But when you're kids, even when you're an adult, like you are shaped by the things around you, the, the you know, the input that comes from other people, uh, expectations that are set, uh, you know, milestones, following through like that stuff, like someone easily could have set different expectations for you. Now, I don't know that it doesn't mean you would have reached them because you might not have been getting good, you know, uh, advice from your physician, but at least it doesn't take that much to set someone up with a reasonable expectation and a reasonable plan and let them see even a reasonable amount of success so that they can, they can believe in those things and then continue to apply them and multiply and and, and build. Yeah. yeah, it's just, it's kind of obvious. It's neat to hear you talk about it. Not neat, because <laughs> it was your no, life. I- <laughs> yeah, because it was your life. But but it's interesting to hear you talk about it. Like how, like a simple little thing like that. And not, for anyone listening, like not, not like unreasonable expectations. Like every test has to be 100 and you need to be taller and prettier and faster. Like not all that, just within your own Thing in your own life. Yeah. You know? Just let's make this attainable. Let's try yeah. for something attainable. And yeah, I spent a lot of time feeling like I, it, I couldn't reach their goals. They were just impossible. They yeah. felt so far away. And so at some point you kind of go, well, why bother? Yeah. And I'm never going to get there. Honestly, thank God for your mom's reaction because his, the new goal that the first doctor set for you was very attainable, which was failure. Yes. Failure. He was yes. he, he he was telling you give up. You yeah, you, you're done. Oh, you easily could have met that. You know what I mean? And, and definitely. She, yeah, she steps up and says, "We're not going to do that." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, thank God for my mom is right because she spent. She did. She was. She really pushed. She was like, again, that answer is not good enough, and and I'll go find somebody who has the answer I'm looking for. And so, where, where do you think she? You. Where do you think she learned that? Did she wrestle polar bears professionally? <laughs> I don't know. Trout fisherman, but with her hands, that. did she? Did she catch trout right out of the river? With it's her, it's so funny. She re- again, when I think back, she was so forward thinking in a lot of her ways, and you know, she was really um, like, uh, I, I had diabetes through the eighties and early nineties. She had a pager, so if things went if things went crazy while I was at school, they could page her, hmm. which the only people that had pagers back then were <laughs> doctors yeah. and drug dealers. Doctors and drug dealers. That's exactly <laughs> my right. My mom. Yeah. And well, my mom, well, well. <laughs> she carried a pager around. Um, again, I said the thing about the Halloween. I mean, that was very different. I just, I think for her, she always just, uh, you had a podcast a couple of weeks ago that I listened to where they talked about just this idea of like, not being held back. Like diabetes wasn't going to hold me back. Mm -hmm. And I think she just always felt like that. Like this will just be as normal as possible. 
and we'll be, um, we'll all be as normal as possible, but yeah, yeah. W- but at the same time, healthcare is critically important. And so we'll do whatever we have to do in order to make sure she's healthy. Yeah. And to, I guess to fully pack in the context, like you, you were diagnosed at a time where management was not terrific. Like, you know, yes. the, the options weren't really like you know, yeah. nearly what they are now, obviously. And maybe for the doctor, was he an older man? Do you remember? Yeah, he was. Yeah, I had a, a, my first endo was actually a really compassionate, lovely man, but he ended up, I think, moving to a, uh, moving to a different job. I think he was moved somewhere out West to work at a, at a university or something out there. Anyhow, so I ended up with this new doctor and he came along while I was in high school. So I'd been, uh, at that point I'd had diabetes for quite a long time. And, but yeah, he was an older man. In fact, shortly after I left uh, from that clinic and found a new endo, I heard that he had passed away. So he wasn't, uh, uh, he was much older and, and didn't have a very, again, forward thinking mentality. But was at least kind. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little kindness doesn't hurt, Nicole, you know? No, no. <laughs> How are you doing? You said you were nervous at the beginning. Is it getting better? Yeah, thank you. Good, yeah, good. it is. Good, good, good. Yeah. good. You're doing great. Okay. So, I, I mean, not that I need this to be like after dark material, but I feel like there's a story in here and it's part of it. And you feel more comfortable. It's interesting. When you were being more like just anecdotal and telling a bigger story, you wandered. But when you start talking about details, you're much more focused. So I, I feel I feel like we want to like do that, like kind of go that way. So you've you make it, th- you know, make it through the first doctor. Next doctor helps you get the pump. And uh, yeah. how old were you when you got the pump? 18. I was 18, 18 years old. I remember yeah. you saying so that. just towards the end of high school. And, and you were leaving high school with what intentions? Uh, so I was off to university. I was ready to go. I had been working at a part-time job that I really loved. And when I was getting ready to leave, he said to me, so what are your plans for the future? What do you want to do with your life? And I said, oh God, I have no idea. And he said, well, I said, I, to be honest, I'd like to own your, he, it was a bakery I worked at. I said, one day I want to own your bakery. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, you know what? The University of Guelph has a really great hospitality program. Why don't you get into that? And one day come back and we'll talk. And so I did. So I went to a hospitality and uh, tourism program. It's a university degree. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Did you come and back and and, and and viciously? No, I never bought his bakery. Viciously I never take over back. his man's bakery? No, <laughs> I never went back. As far as I know, he still owns it. Well, it's still there. It's been, uh, it's been forever. So, so when no, you I- head off to this, when you head off to university with your new pump and your diet and your new diabetes, like ideas, how do you right. make how do you make out through those years? Um, so I think that's where I was going to talk about some of the kind of um, you know I guess after dark topics that we were going to talk about. Go ahead. My willingness, I guess, to play around with alcohol for sure. It was um, I was not afraid of what was going to happen if I drank too much. If I you know mm-hmm. passed out from alcohol, it. When I went into university, I was ready to have some fun. I never played with drugs. It was never on my list of things to do. I smoked a bit of pot, but that was about it. And I didn't generally like the person I became when I smoked weed. So I had stopped. But <laughs> who did you become when you smoked weed? Oh, I, so <laughs> I, <I'm, laughs> that was a fun. Generally, I'm a very, 
Nicole, that was a very fun noise. You went, you went, let me tell you. Um. I, I am generally a very kind and very um, patient, calm, friendly. I always want people to be happy around me, you know, and I would turn into the Hulk. It was, I would rage. I would get so angry and, you know, I couldn't stand my friends that were giggling. They'd be smoking pot and you know how they get the giggles. And I would be like, shut up. I hate the laugh. Why are you laughing so much? Nothing is funny. I just, I would rage. And I did it a few times and I thought, I don't like this version of me. I'm not doing it I anymore. can't believe your friends let you did it again. <laughs> I know. I know. Because they were giggly and high. They had a good time with it. I don't think they realized how upset it made me. It made you. Uh, and so you. So they lost their inhibitions in one way, but you lost yours in a different way. Right. I right. couldn't be nice anymore. <laughs> so so here all right, so here's my question, Nicole. Are you nice or do you have a lot of rage inside of you and that helped you let it out? Oh, uh, yeah, I have a lot of rage inside of me. I'm generally I I you know, wake up most days at 100 and have to kind of calm myself down. I don't know why I'm a, I am, I'm a generally a pretty angry person, but Interesting. I, um, yeah, maybe well, that's it. It well, just exposed the, what was your, <laughs> I, don't mean, I didn't like, this is what I'm thinking about. I'm, I'm thinking like you, you relaxed and you're like, well, now I don't have to pretend to like these mothers. Right. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> live, a very, live a very lonely life. Lonely, very lonely life. Oh <laughs> my God. Well, so what, is there something you can point to in your life that made you angry? Uh, no, I really, I don't know. Um, I don't think that there's anything specific. Uh, specific. No, yeah. no. I had a pretty, I've had a pretty normal childhood. Like my parents were together until they split up when I was maybe 13. Like I said, little country school, knew all, had lots of friends, um, very popular. I, there was nothing that attributed to the rage. I'm not really sure where it came from. So he, yeah, okay. I think uh, as an adult, you still have it. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, for sure. Is there is for there sure. anything you do to to try to like let the pressure off once in a while? Yes and no. Like I'm trying now to do. Uh, so like I said, I I love listening to your podcast. There's a bunch that I listen to, including a bunch on uh, how to overcome uh, some of those things. So just you know journaling and things like that mm -hmm. i i play around with it's not but, yeah. it's not anxiety right nicole it's just you have a low tolerance for bullshit uh yeah i do it, which is funny because again like i have a lot of people say like you're the most patient person i've ever met like you have such a you have you let people uh walk all over you and and you let it <laughs> it you know it takes a lot to finally make me explode mm-hmm but when I do, I I go. Once I ex explode, I really go. Okay. And then it's. Let me ask. And then it's, let me ask a couple of questions. Have you ever had sure. your thyroid checked? Yeah, I'm on thyroid medication. I am. What's your TSH? Do you know? Uh, I think the last one was two. Right. I had my uh, blood work done back in. Good. 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 Yeah. Good. Um, religion. None. None. Uh, interesting. Hold on a second. Did anything happen in your life that was traumatic, even to another person in your family, that you wish wouldn't have happened? Car accident, like anything? No, nothing, nothing like that. I think some of maybe some of my trauma again comes back to the diabetes. You know, as much as I say, 
So I, I suffered from a lot of really bad low blood sugars when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever heard you interview a person uh, that hallucinated with lows. I don't know if you have. But you are one of them? I full-blown hallucinations with a low blood sugar. Like, so as describe, a child, describe that to me, please. So I don't know. They must have been seizures. I, we didn't call them seizures. We called them reactions. They were generally middle of the night. When I listened to your... Um, episode with Arden kind of describing her, her seizure and the shifting the Mm -hmm. room kind of the jumping, I think she called it. Um, for me, it was always the shifting. So I could, the, the floor would suddenly shift and I'd feel kind of unattached or, you know, off balance. Yeah. And then, but a lot of times I would wake up in the night with these reactions, which were, like I said, full blown hallucinations. So I would start to see things in the, in the bedroom and, um, like terrifying things. as a kid, I don't know how you describe them, like monsters and snakes and bugs and all the things that you're afraid of. And they would all be in my bedroom and I would start to scream and cry, of course. And my parents would run in and they would also be these horrible creatures, you know, like terrifying monsters or covered in bugs, covered in snakes. I just, I remember so many times they would come in and they would have to try to, you know, get me sugar in whatever way they could, but without seeing them, you know, I, I couldn't look at them because they were so terrifying, but mm-hmm. they had to, they had to grab me and, right. and hold me down to get, generally they did corn syrup. That's what they would use to get in my mouth. Cause at least then some of it would be absorbed through your cheeks, um, my but, cheeks. Yeah, and yeah. then I, I mean, corn syrup was less likely to be spit everywhere. Like it's kind of hard to spit out syrup. But it was, you know, thick mm. and went, went right in. So anyways, but there was a lot of hallucinations. My mom used to tell this story about one time she came in and the room was full of, according to me, the room was full of flies. There were flies everywhere. So she grabbed my, she sat me down on her lap and she shoved my head over her shoulder so I couldn't see her face anymore. Mm -hmm. And my dad was on the other side jamming the corn syrup in. And then they waited a little bit and my twitching slowed down and they realized that it was probably over. So they kind of pulled me back so I could look at, at my mom again. And I looked at her face and I slapped her. (laughs) What was that for? And I said, there was a bug on your face. She still had a fly on her face. According to me, I mean, she didn't, but that's what I saw was this bug. Did you ever, did you ever hear your parents say to each other? Oh, great thing. We had kids. (laughs) What a decision. (laughs) I can't imagine. And being my poor mother being pregnant with the second one going, I think we made a. I think we made a mistake. We definitely made a mistake. Why are we going to do this again? <laughs> uh, can low blood sugar cause psychosis? It is well known that hypoglycemia can lead to psychiatric symptoms ranging from delirium and confusion states of psychosis. So not un, not unusual, but you're right. I've never heard anybody talk about it. Yeah, and I, I I thought that it was very common, but the more I listened to your show, the more I realized that people just. People that wasn't normal, or they're um, not admitting but, to it, Nicole. Or they're not talking about mm-hmm. it. Maybe they don't have any memories of it. But well, it was I, very scary as a kid. It li- was very, very. Yeah. Scary. Listen, I didn't. I don't have diabetes, but soon after my parents like split up, I was probably in my early teens, like 13, 14, around there, and I would have a reoccurring nightmare that a giant talking spider was up in the corner of my room, and it would tell me it was going to kill my parents. And one night I got out of bed and 
felt like I had gone downstairs, uh, like to use the bathroom and I was in the bathroom and I thought I was awake and, but the spider was still there. Right. And then I woke myself up and it was gone. So I somehow like, I somehow in a dream moved through the house and I used to, I did sleepwalk a little when I was a kid. I don't do it anymore actually. But, um, I, I wondered like looking back on that, I think I might've slept walk to the bathroom and then continue the dream continued. And then when I woke up, it was over. But, um, so anyway, big spider, not flies, but I'm with you. I've had that that happen. But it was, yeah, it was always, and I mean, again, they changed it. It changed. It wasn't always flies or bugs. It was like, sometimes they were monsters and, um, my parents would come in as these big, like hairy looking monsters, Mm. you know, with big teeth and they'd be growling at me as they were rushing towards me to try to (laughs) take care of me. My God, that's, well, that's, Okay, so let's call that traumatic. <laughs> yeah, I, so <laughs> funny. I had a, and I, I mean, there was a lot of incidents of that when I was little, and they obviously slowed down as I got older and things got better, and I was able to control things a little bit more. But um, the so last time I had a seizure, I was uh, six. I was well, I was fifteen. It was just before my sixteenth birthday, and I had woken up in the morning and I went in to take a shower. And I hadn't bothered testing my blood sugars yet because I was, you know, not worried about it. Anyhow, I I got up, I took the shower, I got out of the shower. I remember standing there in the bathroom. And when I was in high school, like lots of the kids wore candy necklaces. Do you remember candy necklaces? Of course. And so my sister used to wear them to school. So she had a couple of them sitting on the counter. And at that point I realized, shoot, I think I'm low. So I started eating through her candy necklace and, didn't I didn't get there fast enough I I passed out and uh seized and anyway that that one again scared me for a long time then I was really terrified about going low overnight and going low early in the morning and so oftentimes I would run my blood sugars higher because I didn't want all that that to happen happen. again hey so I have to ask you the kid was wearing the candy necklace yeah, she used to wear them. And you like, went at her to like a zombie to get to it? No, <laughs> she wasn't wearing it at the time. Oh, oh, It was in the morning, so she had like taken it off to go to bed, and they were just sitting on the bathroom counter. Her and I shared a bathroom oh, together. I was had a beautiful picture in my head <laughs> of you like basically being like brains and coming at her and like <laughs> kids like, why am I friends that with Nicole? Would, that would be a way better story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want to retell it where she's wearing the necklace. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> I mean, I'm okay with that. I'm naked, fresh out of the shower and stumbling at her going, give me your necklace. (laughs) Give me your necklace. Oh, my God. That's terrible. Oh, my God. So you had, your blood sugar was bouncing then. Because you don't, you don't, you didn't have low A1. It's not like you got low a lot because you were keeping some, like, like stability at a a lower number. So you were jumping up and jumping down constantly. Yeah. Yeah. What, What kind of food did you eat back then? Uh, anything and everything. There was never a limitation. I mean, oh, that's not true. That's not true at all. When I was young, we did, we were on the, um, uh, my parents were allowed to give me like, I was allowed two starches and two fruits and one protein at dinner, say something like that. And they knew that a starch was like a piece of bread. Mm-hmm. One starch was a half a cup of potatoes. They, so they, it was carb counting, but not really. I mean, we weren't looking at the numbers, but we were looking at the values of food. And, but I, I was allowed to eat whatever I wanted. We were restricted in terms of quantities. And I was, like I said, restricted in terms of meal times. At 
at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I could eat whatever fell within those values. Outside of that, I wasn't allowed to snack unless it was kind of free food. So then I did a lot of like lots of proteins. My my mom always had like cheese sticks or, you know, coming home from school, we would eat cheese or like pepperettes or, you know, different smoked meat, things like that. There was always like meats and cheeses that we would snack on. Mm -hmm. But that was the snack. You couldn't do it with crackers because crackers had carbs and carbs would mess it up. Yeah. Arden loves to, uh, I guess she hasn't done this in a while because she's at school, but there are times when she'll put together a plate. Looks like she's at a um, at a party by herself. It has grapes and cheese and crackers and pepperoni and like, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, and she just disappears with it and um, <laughs> charcuterie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> in her bedroom, uh, very yeah. very fancy. Although I don't know how fancy it is. I think the crackers are Ritz, but that's not the right. Problem. Right. Which, by the way, are not easy to bolus for. When you take the crackers and then the grapes, and then add the protein and the cheese, it, it's a it's a task to bolus yeah. that, that mix of yeah. food, actually. Well, and at the time, I mean, we didn't really, we understood the, like I said, the values of food, but we didn't understand how they all work together. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, even as a kid, I was allowed to eat pizza, but I, I don't remember how it affected me or anything like mm-hmm. that. I actually have a recording coming up in, I think it'll, it'll be out in April. It's with a, it's like a health, influencer who like normally i'm i don't know like i don't know much about it but a couple of uh, listeners were like hey look this lady's talking about food impacts and she's wearing like a glucose monitor and she doesn't have diabetes but she's like looking at the impacts of different foods and talking about about them now in in her context she's talking about how to eat them in certain orders where it benefits your body but i thought this will be interesting like she's got a she's got this perspective and yet she's not die she doesn't have diabetes so right. like I'm like I'm gonna I'll ask her to be on so she's she's gonna come on and we're gonna talk about interesting yeah you know, about that well, well and I think like I don't really limit what I eat now either there's a lot of foods I just can't be bothered with because I don't I don't know how to bolus for them and I don't want to find out mm-hmm. you know what I mean does that make sense sure we had a party at so I own a restaurant we had a party there a few weeks ago where at the end of it they. They came up to me and, you know, thanks so much for having us. And here we thought you'd like one of the cupcakes that we had made. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. And I kind of left it on the on the counter. And when my um, one of the servers came in, I said, oh, if you want that cupcake, go ahead. I won't be eating it. And he was like, yeah, I guess it would pretty much kill you, wouldn't it? And I was like, well, no, it won't kill me. But I'll be honest, I I, I don't even know where to begin. It might, I, like, it I might have, ruin the I've next eaten, three or four hours. <laughs> yeah, 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 I was like, it might not kill me. But I said, okay, for fun, tell me how many carbohydrates are in this cupcake. And he's like, I don't know, 95. And I'm like, great. <laughs> I would have maybe guessed 40. So, yeah, you probably would have killed me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it. Yeah. No, I take your point. Like some of them are, it feels a little unknowable, like, especially when someone just hands you something, you have no context. Yeah, they're like, here it is. I'm like, okay. And I just, yeah, you're right. I think there's a lot of times I just can't be bothered with the the headache of trying to figure it out. I think interesting too, like a cupcake is an example. It it could hit, uh, it's going to say something that's going to sound opposite, but it could hit less than the carbs indicate. Like, have you ever right. had a situation like that where you like look something yeah. up and you're like, this is what is this a hundred carbs for this? And right. and then you later realize like it only hit like it was 50 or something right. or something like that. And 
it, it does happen. You, you know, it so, does. It happens a lot. In both well, directions. and so my my partner now is a is a chef, and so he does a lot of. I mean, I eat like a, a queen at home, but anyhow, he made um Detroit style pizza the other day, which is that big, thick, thick heavy crust, and it was so delicious, but. I looked at it and I was like, oh my God, I don't even know where to start. So I, I bullished for it and I had such a beautiful straight line and I was so proud and so happy. And I went in, um, I have a good friend of mine who's a type one. And so I was telling them the story and his girlfriend said, well, for curiosity's sake, you know, how much did you bolus? And I said, well, I looked at it. I thought it was probably 40 grams. Oh, I was going to say 40 for a piece about 40, six yes, inches square, right? About well, six inches square. Yeah, high five. <laughs> I, and 40 was just beautiful and perfect. Nice. I said, usually when I eat pizza, I'm, I bolus for about 25 grams of carbs per slice. And she said, that's so funny because the the guy, the her partner, he, he generally boluses 40 grams of carbs per slice. And then I laughed. I said, I wonder which one of us is right because we're both, uh, which one of us is right in terms of the number, the which one number. of us is right in terms of our car, in terms of our ratios, yeah. <laughs> which one of us has got it here. Well, that's such a, anyway. a salient point really, Nicole, because what's right is what works. Well, exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and if both of us are hitting straight lines, then does it matter? Not at all. Literally right. not at all. Oh, see, it's it's exciting to hear somebody talk about it that way because it, it because for the people listening, it, it doesn't matter. If it if right. if this thing, whatever you're eating, is 10 carbs, but it hits you like it's 15 and it hits somebody else like it's eight and it hits somebody else like it's 20, well then that's what it is. Right. You know, and and fighting reality by pointing at a number is I think part of how people make themselves cuckoo with all this. Right. You know, so right. anyway. Yeah, I had um, I had an appointment last week with a new nurse. So I, I went on the new Medtronic pump about a year ago. Um, so it's got, it's the full closed loop with the CGM and everything. They're all connected, the Medtronic 770. So, mm-hmm. and I, then the nurse that I was meeting with left the practice and they never reassigned me to another one. So I went a long time without seeing anybody and they called me and they said, oh, we've got a Medtronic rep in. Did you want to come in and meet with us? And I said, yeah, sure. That'd be great, actually. So I went I went in and met with them. And at one point she she was looking at something. I forget what she was what she was pointing out. She said, your, you know, your numbers are great. Your time and range is fabulous. I, if you're striving for perfection, here's where I would maybe adjust it. And I said, yeah, I get it. And her and I got into a bit of an argument. Oh, that's what it was over. I, I said, sometimes for dinner, I, I might not bolus the right amount. Like, let's say I look at food and I think, oh, this could be between 30 and 35 grams of carbs. I think I'll bolus 30 today because I don't want to go low later. And she was like, but that's, but that's not the right way to do it. You bolus for what is in it. I was like, well, yeah, that's fine and good. But <laughs> sometimes I don't want to go low later. And she said to me, she's like, you're all of your problems are purely psychological. You're I mean, you could be you could be wonderful if if you stop letting your brain make the decisions. You know what I mean? Is that because you don't? And I said, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Is that because you don't actually get low later? You just are afraid you're going to. Yeah. Yeah. From when you were younger, you should you should have told her, listen, if I get low. You're gonna turn into the abominable snowman, right. <laughs> and there's gonna be worms. That's scary. 
want to get low. <laughs> There's going to be worms coming out of your nose. And I just can't do that anymore. <laughs> uh, but but so, so you really are afraid of the insulin a little bit still. Very much so. Yeah. I'm very, very afraid of insulin, yeah. But not I on base. Say very, very. I'm, I'm, I'm aggressive, and I have, and I have good control. But I, uh, yeah, there's. I'm still afraid of the lows. Mm-hmm. I really am. I'm afraid of, uh, of. I think I'm afraid of not waking up from a low. Well, yeah, yeah. Listen, you've not- been talking for 45 minutes. I think people listening have checked their blood sugar or their children's blood sugar five times since you've been talking. <laughs> Probably like, let me just take a look Sorry. real quick. <laughs> Sorry. So, I mean to terrify everybody. Sort of make sure like, that diabetes I'm, is the worst. Yeah, it's awful. Just want to make sure I'm not going to see a zombie. Hold on a second. Um, well, listen, you had a specific, you had a specific experience, and your body obviously doesn't do well with it. But have you had that experience as an adult? No, never. I've never. I have not hallucinated as an adult. I had one terrible low in university that I remember the room shifting. I mean, again, there are times where I still have those those kind of room shift lows mm-hmm. um, where the floor feels like it's falling out. I had one awful experience um, a few years ago. I was I I always call it the um, my ex husband left me for <laughs> left me for dead on the kitchen floor. We were I had been out. We had been out drinking and partying at a friend's place and he had left before I had. And then I called him to come back and get me. And in the meantime, he was turning around to come and pick me up. And I ended up getting a ride home with somebody else. And he was like, fair enough, very mad at me. And when we got home, I guess I, so I had got home before he had, and I walked in the front door and likely as a result of drinking and everything else, I I think I went to take my shoes off and I passed out on the kitchen floor. Mm -hmm. And um, so when he got home, I was passed out and he quite literally stepped over me to go to bed and uh, left me there. When I woke up, I probably woke maybe four or five hours later. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was on the Libra. So I scanned my sensor and it said I had hit the low, you know, how it doesn't read anymore. It just says low. Yeah. I'd hit the low at the point of which we were coming home and stayed there all night long. And so, um, yeah, I always, hmm. I mean, that was the worst one I've had recently. I woke up and luckily my purse was right next to me because we'd just gotten home and I had gummy bears in there and I m- swallowed a bunch of those before I managed to get up and go to the couch. But I, I'm going to, I'm going to say something crazy here and you didn't see any hallucinating at that point. No, I wasn't hallucinating. I was just passed out. Is it possible and and this is going to sound really crazy, but is it possible your parents actually were monsters? <laughs> and you could only see them like that when your blood sugar was low. <laughs> because it hasn't happened since then. So, Never happened since I was little. Uh, can you please yeah, go I, to go to your is your mom and dad are they alive still? Yes. Yeah, would they would they come back together for an experiment? I'd like to get your blood sugar low and I want to see if they're monsters and see right what now. They turn out as? Well, oh my god. I mean a little bit. I really do a little bit want to know. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know uh I I don't remember. I mean, again, I had a good relationship with both of them. So I can't imagine oh, that I'm they were actually you. monsters. No, no, I'm teasing you. I didn't mean like human monsters. I meant like really like furry things that oh, just like furry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
It was the eighties. Hair was different back then. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they were. That's really, I don't know. I just, I got this. I just hit me all of a sudden. I was like, what if our parents are actually creatures? And <laughs> this is why that's what she was seeing. And the, I mean, the flies make sense, right? Because monsters would have flies around them. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I'm very worried now about the one um, conspiracy theorist listening right now is like, you know, I listen to this podcast today. This lady's parents were um, subhumanoids and she didn't oh know. Oh my it. God. <laughs> yeah, watch, I'll get tracked out. It, you know what? If all of a sudden you stop seeing my name on the Facebook group, you know, I've been like, found out come and, and snap me up. Those, those spy balloons that are flying all over the the world right now mm -hmm. that that one's going to come and hit my house in a minute just <laughs> well, down and suck up the alien life form that i am i i think everyone should be appreciative that i was not so ham-fisted as to call them sasquatches because you're in canada <laughs> i stayed i stayed off the canadian thing i one thing i mentioned earlier but that that's it pretty much i've been pretty good um why you don't have sasquatches in the u.s i thought i think we call from. them bigfoot you call them sasquatch no Right, yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. all. I mean, I think that's yeah. it. My boyfriend calls them Sam Squanches. His son will just, oh, if he ever listens to this podcast, he'll be so upset that I said Sam Squanch on here. <laughs> How old is he? The son is uh, 12. Wow. 12, and he always says that. He'll go, oh, I think we found a Sam Squanch. I think we're going to go Sam Squanch hunting. <laughs> is he saying it by <laughs> mistake? Not no, he does it on purpose just to torment him. Oh, uh, Trailer Park Boys, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, he won't be upset about that. He's no. fine. No, he's fine. It's not he like we called out podcast. his name and like. He doesn't want to listen to a podcast about diabetes. <laughs> I don't think he. <laughs> you don't think so? You don't think that's what 12 no. year olds are a into? 12 year old, a 12 year old boy with literally no experience in it except for mine. No. So not a chance. we're, we're, I, I feel like we're dancing around something. You have an ex husband. Um, yeah, who left yeah. you on the floor? Left me on the floor. Was yeah. this not a great experience being married? This no, weekend? no, no. It wasn't a good one. There was a there was a few incidents of you know kind of emotional abuse like that. I would have called that emotional abuse because I think when you do that to somebody, it just. I realized that at that point that you know that it wasn't going to be fixed. The marriage was long gone. Yeah. So anyhow, yeah, we separated actually just before COVID just before we went into our first lockdown here in Ontario. Did you like say to yourself, uh-oh, I can't be in here together. Let's do it now. No, I really, I didn't believe that COVID was a thing. I really thought that people were being ridiculous mm -hmm. and, and I couldn't believe, I remember somebody saying it to me one time, like, have you heard of this virus that's about to come in and shut down the whole world? And I laughed and I went, you're so full of it. There's no way a virus is coming in and shutting down the world. Are you insane? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And yeah, two weeks later, then boom. Uh, but I really didn't believe that it was a problem. And even when the government told us we had to close our doors, like I said, I've, I'm a restaurant owner. So we had to close the doors and we weren't allowed to have people in. And for the first couple of weeks, I just thought it was all a bunch of hoo-ha. Like, what are, on earth are we doing? Mm -hmm. Why are we so afraid of this it just to me it just seemed wild but there have been no. three pandemics since 1900 right yeah right this happens all the time you just right you know, yeah. I, I know i understand I trust thought me it was crazy no yeah please yeah. it it does sound crazy i mean when you live your whole life and it hasn't happened and it's just a story like you know well and when you have something like diabetes and your parents become monsters <laughs> when you hallucinate and yet 
you can recover and rebound from that and go on to live a normal life, then why on earth are, are we so afraid of a cold? You but feel again, indestructible. You, you feel, know, I think just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, did you have you gotten COVID? Yeah, I yeah. had it. Did you I change your it. mind after you had it? Yeah, yeah, it was not pleasant. I said afterwards, I'm like, man, I wouldn't have wished that on anybody. Yeah, no, I get I, it. I did not enjoy my my one time I've had COVID oh. at all. That was uh... we were very careful. My partner has a daughter with disabilities. Actually, she has a different form of diabetes called diabetes insipidus, which is um, so like our bodies can't process the sugars and hers can't process sodium. But um, so we were very very careful about what we were doing. You know, exposing anybody to any of it. We were very close with you know wore our masks diligently and we were, you know, hand sanitizing like crazy. So, but I ended up catching it. I had no idea from where, but yeah, it was miserable. Wow. Fun at all. May I uh, take a sidebar here? Diabetes insipidus. Insipidus. A disorder of salt and water metabolism marked by intense thirst and heavy urination occurs when the body can't regulate how it handles fluid. Condition is caused by a hormonal abnormality and isn't related to diabetes. In, right. a, in addition to extreme fir- thirst and heavy urination, other symptoms may include getting up at night to urinate or bedwetting. Depending on the form of disorder, treatments might include hormonal therapy, low-salt diet, or drinking more water. Very rare. 20,000 cases in the U.S. per year. Wow. Very, very rare. Hmm. Yeah. So, and very different. So, that it's not like, uh, so she's regulated through fluids, and um, she does take an oral medication as well. Wow. And your partner only hangs out with people who have the word diabetes somehow involved. With yeah, yeah, he's he says that he's like, oh god, my diabetics! I can't even believe that I found another one, <laughs> just a different form. I mean, it's it's interesting that it's called diabetes insipidus, and yet it has nothing to do with diabetes. Well, so it's funny. I joined also a Facebook group for diabetes insipidus, and they are also outraged by the fact that they're called diabetics because. They don't, they feel like that they're immediately assumed to have mellitus and they're, they want to rename diabetes insipidus to, I forget what it is, some sort of um, deficiency instead, like the hormone that, that they're deficient in, as opposed to being called. Everybody wants to rename something. You got what you got. You think the Hashimoto's people are excited, right? (laughs) Huh? They're like, what's wrong with you? Oh, I have Hashimoto's disease. Right. Great. Like a guy named Smith couldn't have figured that out. It had to be yeah. him. Uh, but uh, listen, I, I'm gonna like I'm gonna pull a 180 here for a minute because I okay. feel like you can substantiate my my thoughts that working at a restaurant is an orgy of alcohol <laughs> and sex and debauchery that happens after the place closes. Am I right? Yeah, I am right. Right. Yes, yes. I knew yes. it. I knew it. People come on here and lie all the time about it, but I know. Okay, so <laughs> what is it? Is it the schedule or does it attract a certain person? Yeah, you have to be a certain kind to want to work in the restaurant industry. And we're all a very strange breed of people, but I think gluttons for punishment for the most part. Mm-hmm. It is a uh, incredibly hard job. It's physically demanding generally long hours, long days. And yet, I mean, we work when everybody else is off. So you don't go to a restaurant generally between nine and five. I mean, yeah, you might go out for lunch here and there, but usually it's the night times and the evenings and we work late hours and I'm off today. Like my 
Mondays and Tuesdays are my days off. I, I haven't seen a weekend, a real weekend in many, many years. Mm-hmm. So. And cocaine yeah. flows like water. Am I right? Well, yeah. And so not in my restaurant. Of course not. Not in yours. It all behind right. my back. Right, but, right, right. Uh, yeah. I, I always say that. I'm like, you know, if the restaurant industry has taught me anything, it's that there's uh, a, a lot of people do cocaine and a lot of people uh, cheat on their partners. Like there's a lot of adultery and there's a lot of uh, cocaine. Uh, just in general in the world, but no, well, yeah, there's way <laughs> more than a you. lot in restaurants. <laughs> of course. It, it, but yeah, I knew it. See, people yeah. don't want to talk because oh, yeah. they got the thing going, right? You get to go to work, make money, you eat for free and you get to have sex and drugs and nobody knows about it. Right. It's, it's totally normal. It's very, very normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I used to work with a girl who said, She'd bump cocaine for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. She didn't eat. She said she was real thin when she first came to the industry because that's all she did was cocaine. Mm. Did you hear when I interviewed the one girl and I asked her what her diet was like and she said cocaine and and um, uh, uh, what, what, what alcohol did she say? I can't think tequila. She said, I said, what's your, uh, what's your, what's your diet like? And she says like cocaine and tequila. She was not joking. And I was like, huh, okay. So anyway, so when I'm, I don't know. I feel so vindicated right now, Nicole. I don't know what to tell you. Well, then I'm glad I came on to do my job. Yeah. Yeah. No, you really came through for me. This is, this is lovely. Um, I, uh, I know two people who are chefs and they're both out of their minds. Yeah. Yeah. Really, the hospitality industry is full of really crazy people. I mean, a lot of people get into it to start because it's good, quick money. And, you know, lots of people take up serving jobs or cook jobs when they're in high school and and putting themselves through college or university. But the the lifers, the people that stay in the industry for life, Mm -hmm. we're a we're a special breed. Yeah. Not not like you worked at a diner in 11th grade for a summer or something like that. You didn't. Yeah. No, no. We're talking the yeah. The people that do it for for life. So then the Adderall must be huge too. Again, maybe, maybe. not, not, not so you. much in my experience, How- but I, again, like I said, I really stayed out of the drug scene. So yeah. I know that I've been around a lot of people that have, but I, it just was never anything that was tempting to and, me. And no drugs for you, but you, you drink like it's a profession. Or, yeah. Yeah. Still. Yeah, I do. I drink a lot of alcohol, but I think I, again, I kind of attribute the drug fear back to the hallucinating as a kid. Mm-hmm. So I was never interested in dabbling. I mean, yeah. my ex-husband loved mushrooms and he was like, you know, it'd be so fun if we could get high on mushrooms together. And I always said, no, I don't. Why on earth would I want to hallucinate on purpose? I mean, I did it so often when I was little that I just can't imagine that it would be a pleasant experience. Yeah. I'm, I'm starting to believe that it's a very small number of people who aren't doing something altering. Right. Ser- seriously. And not, and not a judgment, by the way, just the, just, I'm starting to think that it's a thing we keep quieter than people give us credit for keeping quiet. It, it's just, you know, very, uh, very interesting. Would you consider like your consumption of alcohol? Is it as, as grand as it was in college or no now? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it is. Uh- so in a, but in a different way. So I, I, I drink every day. I come home from work and have a, a glass of wine or two mm-hmm. or a bottle every day. <laughs> Sometimes I fill the bathtub and I get in with a straw and I know no, my bath said, is over when the wine is gone. <laughs> wait, wait. With that said, when I was in university, like 
it, my consumption was a lot, but it was a lot, you know, at a time. And I would, I could get faced and blackout drunk and I wouldn't even think about it. That was, that was my level of intoxication. Then I, mm. those days don't happen anymore. It's not like I'm stumbling around the living room at night. <laughs> singing into my wine glass you know what i mean i enjoy things not on sweet cara can anyone hear this i mean don't get me wrong if any of my friends listen to this episode they're like uh we've seen that version of you and yeah she does still exist don't pretend like you're all high and uppity and you know but not outgrown that not an angry not angry when you're drunk though uh no, no not anymore not anymore well, not maybe more. Have With you the ex-husband? I definitely was, but no, not I. I generally don't get angry. Okay, a, Nicole, I, I think it's incumbent upon me to ask you if you've considered therapy. I am in therapy. Okay, yeah, okay, sure. okay. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> you're, yes. you're like I've for sure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, Scott, you don't understand. I'm way better. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. There's definitely a therapist there. And so, no, when you're talking to the therapist you said earlier you couldn't pinpoint what happened but do you just not want to share it with me and you know what it is or do you really not know it's okay no if you don't i really t- don't know i really don't know what happened i like and i said that uh, a couple of weeks ago to my partner i was like i don't know whether there uh, you know i'm i really do believe that i live a life that points towards trauma of some kind but i really don't know what it is yeah i, I mean there's a lot i there there's a lot that i am angry and resentful for, but I think a lot of it happened kind of older. And while I was already an adult, my dad peaced out at 18. He was done with me at that point. We had a big falling out and, and then that was the end of my relationship with him. So uh, we reconnected a couple of years ago. It's certainly not the relationship that a father and daughter should have, but again, I was 18 when it happened. So I think, you know, there's, different forms but i can't i can't figure out what happened when i was little little that would have pointed towards it mm-hmm. so i mean is it as simple like is it what they call daddy issues did you feel abandoned oh i mean as a yes as a young adult and up until yeah oh definitely definitely mm-hmm. i i had a good relationship with my dad it was a really hurtful thing for him to leave yeah it did it made me really upset for Many, yeah, many years. But. I understand. Well, I mean, I think that's what you're mad about, Nicole. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. Was your mom cool to live with? Like, did you feel like you got left with the wrong person? No, no, no not at all. Just no, my was mom gone. was always the caregiver. I mean, I, I remember, my, like I said, my mom was um, always the one uh, at home when we were little. And nah, she was clearly the better parent she was the one that was present (laughs) she was clearly i definitely did not want to end up at my dad nicole are you letting us hear like 20 percent of your personality (laughs) (laughs) yes i told you i was gonna censor myself on this podcast there's probably a bunch that could come out if we had more time maybe i should pour a glass of wine now and then you'll really see the true me does your father work in a restaurant no. No. Could he? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Right. <laughs> I'm getting it. I'm getting it out. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I, 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 um, I was thinking recently if I shouldn't do a couple of episodes with people who are drunk and or high. 
<laughs> like, like tell them like you have to be altered to do the episode. I'm not going to lie. When I was getting ready to do this. And remember I said at the beginning, I'm feeling a little nervous. The thought of having a glass of wine before we sat down really did cross my mind. Mm. It's a little early in the day for that. And I didn't want to be shit faced by, you know, <laughs> by the time the kids come home from school. Nicole, can I ask an insensitive question? <laughs> yes. Do you, do you think you're an alcoholic? Uh, yes. A hundred percent. Okay. And are yeah. you in treatment for that? No. No. Okay. No, I own a restaurant. I don't know if you caught that part. <laughs> so are you trying to tell me that, that that this is a commonplace situation in your world? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So the, so we're trying to are we trying to build the picture here that certain I do agree that certain kinds of people go into certain kinds of industries. Like they're right. they're drawn to them for so like you know for probably obvious reasons that we're not going to sit here and break down. Uh, so you're in that industry to begin with. I mean, because you went right away to college, and I don't know if you realize it because it's so normal to you, but you're like, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to drink a lot. Like th- that was the plan. There are people who don't do that, but you you wouldn't think that. You would think that everyone does that, right? It's funny because again, and I've heard when you talk. Because you're not a drinker at all. No, you've like, had more. You've had more years, alcohol. Right? You've had more alcohol. I would say this weekend this than I've week. had in my yeah. life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. And that to me just is is like I, I can't. I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, alcohol was. I guess uh, I suppose probably pretty prevalent my whole life. It was very common for my dad to drink. It was very even you know common for my mom to drink, not excessively. For either of them, but alcohol was always around. Yeah. Family functions when we were young, always there. I Like I said, my dad hadn't been around for many years. And then when we finally reconnected, uh, he and my sister and I sat down for dinner and he's like, I just kind of want to get this all out of the way. He didn't really, he wasn't very close with his family, either growing up, abandoned by his parents at a pretty young age. And he, um, so he didn't, I mean, I remember his mother as a kid, but not, not being close with her or anything. Mm-hmm. So I guess he joined one of those like ancestry.com or whatever they are, where you find out who all of your relatives are based on the DNA yeah, test. Yeah. And so he, he discovered that his father had actually fathered lots of children all over the country Oh, and was all of a sudden exposed to all of these relatives. And he said at that point, he goes, I've learned a lot about our family and our family history. I need you to understand our side of the family will die from self-inflicted wounds. So alcohol addiction, cigarettes, drug addictions, things like that, that either will deteriorate your body or will, you know, outright kill you. That's, that's how we die. (laughs) That's how this side of the family goes. Nicole, can I say something? Yes. Remember earlier, like an hour ago, when we were talking about how your doctor set up expectations for you and you followed them. Mm. Yeah. Don't let that happen with this. There's no way people die. That's not true. There's there's things that people teach each other, and people have tendencies, but you can go against your tendencies. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, 100%. Also, yes, yeah. absolutely. Don't let somebody tell you that this is what happens. We have heart attacks in our 40s, or we're all drunk, or we're all this. Or right. we, it, just, <laughs> right. just, it doesn't need to be that way. You right. know? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not judging you. You could jump in with both feet if you want to, and it's cool with me. I honestly don't care what anybody does. I really, you know, I say that around eating with diabetes, and I wonder if people recognize. I mean that for everything. 
do not care what you do. Um, right. It's fine. And I don't mean that like, go ahead, do the wrong thing. I don't care. I mean, I think live and let live. I think, I think that everyone has a story that you don't know and that everyone has things that they need, um, want, desire, uh, lean on, et cetera. And you can't judge them. And nobody, you know, and you wouldn't want anybody judging you with the weird thing you right. do. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I'm sure right now there's someone listening that goes, this girl drinks too much. That person's probably <laughs> selling pictures of their feet on the internet. So, like, don't judge right. me. You, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, by the way, I saw this boy. <laughs> you know those videos? There was that video, th- this one kid used to run up to people in, like, $300,000 cars and be like, oh, my God, I love your car. What do you do for a living? He was trying to get out of yeah. people, right? You know those yeah, videos? Yeah. Somebody came along and made these other videos that was lo- that where the guy is like, how much money do you have in your savings account? Something like that. And he goes up to this one kid. And I just want to say, I'm not judging him. But I didn't look at this kid and think, this kid's a mover and a shaker. Like, I, you know, like he was <laughs> yeah. he was um, slovenly would be a way I would put it. Um, yeah. I think he, he maybe could have done a sit up. Uh, he was uh, unkept. Anyway, if Sasquatch was a person... Like he could right. definitely play him in a movie, and the and right. the guy's like, "How much money do you have in your savings account?" And he says something like ninety thousand dollars, which I'm not gonna lie, shocked me. And I was like, "Huh? Why?" And he, he says, "What do you do for a living?" And this kid goes, "I sell pictures of my feet on the internet." Oh my god! And I was like, "I am trying way too hard. I'm trying." Uh, that's what way I say. You know how often I say it? Like I think we're doing this wrong. <laughs> you know, I work really, really hard for really not a lot of money. <laughs> And Barely enough I to buy wine. I'm doing it wrong. Well, I can't even afford my wine. Yeah. <laughs> Nicole, if I took the wine bill out, would you own a summer house somewhere? <laughs> Do you think? Oh, I probably could by now. <laughs> I probably could. I'm not going to lie. Sweetheart, I got to ask you a question. Where in Ontario are you? Are you more in like the Toronto part or are you more in the yeah. like the Manitoba part? Uh, no, I'm uh, just more about south. an hour outside of uh, uh, Toronto. Okay. Toronto. Tr- yeah. Toronto. <laughs> Look at you saying it different. Sorry, Toronto. <laughs> well, I love the Toronto. I I tried to explain to my wife one day. I'm like, so many Canadians put the like an R before the O, and they don't. They're like Toronto, and yeah. she, and she's like, that's not how you say it. I wish you guys knew how my wife's personality and mine are not the same. So I'm like, I'm not saying that that's how you say it. I'm saying that's how they say it. And she's like, that's, that's not how, how you it say sounds. it. And I'm like, oh, my God, we're caught in a circle here. <laughs> it's like, it's just what uh, it sounds like. A friend of mine used to laugh at me. She was from the uh, from New York. And I said something one time. She goes, oh, my God, you're so Canadian. I said, what are you talking about? And she's like, you just said a boot. <laughs> and I said, what do you what do you mean? I don't say a boot. No, none of us say we're not in a boot. That's not how we talk. She goes, it is how you talk. And then I said it again and realized, yeah, we just say a boot. Like- yeah. Nicole, I don't know. I can't judge you. I honestly, if I were to say water, yeah, I I'd be like, why is that? Why is my mouth doing that? So, right. uh, so I, uh-huh. I can't make fun of you. You say a boot if you uh-huh. want to. Um, yeah. You know, what's interesting. I've been sharing this with a lot of people. I've been making the after darks lately. I am going to tell you a secret. I hate that they're called after dark. Why is that? I don't think there's anything wrong with this conversation. Well, it's funny you say that because I've had it. I've told a few people that I was, that I had this call scheduled with you today and that it was going to be an after dark episode. And they go, well, why is it called that? And I've said, well, I think generally it's not, you know, children appropriate. And because there's so many kids that listen to your podcast that maybe that's why. And, but 
I had a few people say that, like, what are you going to talk about that you wouldn't say in front of a child? Mm. And that's so inappropriate. That's so wildly inappropriate. Yeah. Now tell them I agree. I, yeah, I, yeah, no, I've had a few people say, I, I don't understand the after dark thing. Yeah. But. I don't either. It's because I think I'm doing it for like the one person who will look up from their Bible while they're listening to this and send me a note that says, you know, you can't. I wish you'd flagged it differently. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. yeah. And you can't, you can't, you can't let somebody talk about drinking like this and not let me know that's going to happen. Right. And right. there's, I don't find personally, there's two people here talking to you at the moment. There's the monster. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there's, there's, <laughs> there, there's the person that makes the podcast and the person I am, if this wasn't what I did, and mm-hmm. the person I am doesn't want them to be called anything. Right. Um, the person who right. makes the podcast knows that if I don't call them something, then uh, people will complain to me. And and I and don't, do, but do people? Yeah, yeah. Do you really? Yeah, I get complaints about yeah. them. So not a lot, but enough that you know I get yelled at sometimes because, like, I mean, honestly, say what you will, you're not going to hear a lot of podcasts seriously talk about drinking the way we did and yet be so jovial about it at the same time right. but but it's not right. a, but it's not a comedy thing where we're just like ignoring the fact that you shouldn't be drinking that much wine like do you know what I mean? right. and, like, by the yeah. way it's interesting too you know it right uh, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. yeah yeah and i you know it's for a long time i tried to convince myself that that wasn't you know the person i was because i don't have wine at breakfast and because i don't you know mm-hmm. I don't have to drink every second of every day. I'm not, I'm definitely not an alcoholic, but no, I, I also recognize that like when you're, when your mind immediately thinks of alcohol as the solution for stress or fear or nerves, then yeah, your, your brain is, is geared for something different. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, you know, it, it can't be helped or fixed. Does it feel like if you had a food thing, like if every time you got upset, you ate, or if every time you felt stress, you ate, you would see this as the same thing. Yeah, I I mean, I even think about like smokers and, mm-hmm. you know, how many times people that smoke cigarettes would say, you know, if I get stressed out at work, they go, well, do you want to go and have a cigarette? Well, no, I don't actually. I don't want to smoke. But I would I like a big gulp that of that's wine. What you're, <laughs> yeah, 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 I, no, yeah, I would right, have right. a big glass of wine. That would be my solution right now. But I'm, I'm going to say something that I don't know if people think about all the time. Um Society is tenuous <laughs> and it's being held together a little bit with, you know, duct tape and spit, just a little yeah. bit. And if you took away cigarettes and alcohol and a number of other drugs from society, I think in about a week and a half, we'd be in the streets stabbing each other with whatever we could find. And so, um, yeah, yeah. And, and and there are plenty of people like I'm going to tell you right now. Everything you've explained to me about about your desire to drink, I understand what you're saying. I have literally no personal context for it at all. I can't as a person, like as a as just an individual, I do not know what you're talking about. I don't understand that life gets hard and you want to drink. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I just and I'm lucky that I don't feel that way. And I think I'm very aware of that. But I get it. Like like intellectually, I understand everything you're saying. And yeah. I don't judge it at all. Like, but I really think. It's just the case. You know, I think some people, they're they're wired one way and some people are wired another way. 
And it doesn't, yeah, doesn't when make people say like I have an addictive personality or I have, you know, addictive tendencies. I do believe that people can, yeah. can be that way. Yeah. Or, you or, know, or, I can't start my day without a cup of coffee. I need the coffee. I, if I don't have the coffee, I'll be very sick without the coffee. I'm just as addicted to coffee as I am to alcohol. I, I have to tell Coffee's you. it's a little bit more socially acceptable. In my mind, I have, people are going to laugh at me. I have the same arguments in my mind about little weird things all the time. For instance, almost three times a week, I think, shouldn't I just drink a cup of coffee to see what it's like? <laughs> but, right? Like, shouldn't I just go get coffee and try it? And I think, yeah, I should. I should just go try that. And then I never do. Or someone gave us edibles once as a gift. Mm -hmm. And they sat in the house so long that they got hard, went bad, and we had to throw them away. Right. But but we were like, we should try these. And everybody was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it just never happened. Never got there. It doesn't make any sense. Like, I, I am so understanding of, like, weed culture that if I were to get a vape pen, I know which one I would get. Like I've looked into it that much. I will never, I will never do it. And I don't know why. Like I am almost as conflicted about it as you are. (laughs) Except when I stop and think about what the, like when I think about weed as an example, I think about like pain, like my Mm -hmm. back or something like that. And I think, well, if that would help with that, then I would, I would be very interested in that because I don't listen. If you are a person listening right now and you somehow see a difference between going to a doctor and getting a compound through a pharmacy and, you know, uh, a guy in a restaurant taking a bump of cocaine to get through a thing. Like, I mm-hmm. I think you're being a little, like, puritanical if you're thinking about that. It's all the same thing. It's just coming yeah. through, through different directions. Um, yeah. And so I have no feeling that, like, I oh, I shouldn't try that. I, I should probably. But then I just don't. But I'm not being held back by any fear or guilt or anything. It just... It's not enough for me. It's almost like gambling, like to me. Like I see how it would be fun to bet on something, but then I'm like, I I don't care enough to actually do it. To actually get there. Hmm. Yeah. Like it's just, it's, it's just the strangest. It's weird to be me (laughs) in this situation (laughs) because I am totally open to it. Like even like the idea of like micro dosing mushrooms. Like I hear people talking about that and I think, but that makes a lot of sense. You know, and then yeah. I, you know, I it, like if you were anxious or depressed or or anything like that and, and something like that would help you. I think that's great. I, you know, I just I don't know. I could never. Saying could never is the wrong phrasing. I it doesn't I'm not drawn in that direction, I think, is the yeah. uh, the honest way to say it. It's just it's not in your vocabulary. No, I'm drawn yeah. in the direction of my back hurting and me being OK with it. Right. But right. But but for some reason, I did make a doctor's appointment for a couple of weeks from now with an integrative medicine person. And I am going to go in and say, look, here are the things that I'm like physically unhappy about. I would not rule out anything. Tell me what you think. What do you recommend? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I I don't I, I wouldn't. You know, I heard uh, I shouldn't say this out loud. Mm, yeah, I can't say this on here. Okay. (laughs) There's a drug. I can talk around it. Okay. That people use to cut weight. Yes. That a lot of it's and it's not insulin. I want to be really clear. It's a yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I could easily like take it. 
Right. And I heard somebody talking about it. And I know that works. And I know there's no like real weird side effects from it. I'm still like, nah, I probably won't do that. I'll probably just die overweight. And then I'm like, I'm like, (laughs) but then, but like, think about the reverse idea of it. Like, there's, I have access to this tiny little thing that if I, if I took one of them a day for a few weeks, I'd probably lose an amount of weight that would benefit my heart. And yet I'm like, "Mm, well, that's not what it's for which is ridiculous. But if I go to that doctor and that doctor were to tell me here, I'm going to give you these pills, take them for this many weeks. And I think you'll lose 20 pounds. I'd go, okay. You would do it. Yeah. Isn't it strange? Yeah. It's very strange, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Oh my God. It really is. Are it's you- so, and it's funny. It really is funny to me. What, yeah. What people are willing to do to their bodies. If someone says it's okay. Med- What's that? Sorry. If someone says it's okay. Yeah. Because yeah. a doctor tells you, you should. Yeah. Many years ago, I was, I, I did take medication for anxiety. Mm-hmm. I had, um, ooh, again, I don't know if you've talked to anybody with this. Uh, have you ever heard of trichotillomania? Get the fuck out of here. You made that up. I know no. for sure you made that up. <laughs> don't start lying now. You've been honest so far. Trick, uh, mania. I found it. Hold on. Yeah. I'm assuming this is a website that you made just so you no! can tell, so you can tell <laughs> this, this lie. This is legit. On, a disorder that involves recurrent irresistible urges to pull out body hair. Uh-huh. Oh. So I ha- I had this again fr- from the time I was very young and um, growing up and I finally had enough of it. And I went to a doctor and I was like, I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. Please help me stop. I'd like to see a psychiatrist or I'd like to see a therapist and, and I don't want to do the hair pulling anymore. And he said, no, no, no. It's just an anxiety problem here. Just take this pill. And he put me on, on these anxiety meds and I went on them and I went like, and they mellowed me right out. And I felt super mellow all the time. And then after a little while, I thought, so funny, I don't feel any, any stress and any anxiety, but I also don't feel general like happiness anymore. Mm-hmm. I just, I was so mellowed that there was no, that it eliminated the extreme highs and the extreme lows. So yeah. as much as I wanted to get rid of those lows, I missed the highs that were coming. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I went off the meds and I thought afterwards, like, again, it seems so, it seems so normal to just, yeah, here's the meds, just take them. It's just these pills that can all be solved with pills. And it was, and that was his solution to it. And really, no, what I needed was to, to well, see a counselor, to see a therapist, yeah. like, there was more to it than than that. You, you can't just take a pill to make it all go away. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can, and doctors love to prescribe them, but we also, mm-hmm. you know, again, there, there there has to be a certain level of responsibility that we take on ourselves. That's a great point. Uh, ever depressed? Do you have OCD? Uh, yes and yes. Not so much. I mean, OCD a little bit, but not really. The trick, the trick is like a sign of OCD, but not that. Aside from that, that would be about it. Mm-hmm. Like, again, I, there's a lot of like, I don't know if, I don't think it's normal. I do a lot of like counting, like counting steps, counting stairs. Yeah. Numbers, numbers, numbers. And depression. Yeah. Depression for sure. Yeah. There's been a, a lot of that over the years. I have more. Questions. I don't take anything for it aside from wine. <laughs> Hi. Um, there's a summary here. Obsessive compulsive disorder is associated with low grade inflammation. Neural antibodies or neuroinflammatory autoimmune disorders. 
Yeah. Hmm. In some subsets of OCD patients, autoimmunity is likely triggered by specific bacteria, viral, or parasitic agents overlapping surfaces. I mean, the hair pulling disorder, which I'm not going to trichotillomania. Trichotillomania? Yeah. Trichotillomania. Oh, that sounds like something from a 70s song. Um, <laughs> do you ever eat the hair? No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I, uh, no, never, never like that. Is it, can you vibe with what I'm reading here? Like that there's this, as you reach for the hair, there's like this tension that builds up and then there's a release after you pull it out. Yeah. And it makes you feel better. Yeah. But for, for half of a second and then it's gone, like it, and then it disappears just as quickly as it was there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, 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 um, alleviation disappears. Yeah, correct. So it's not actually helpful. I think that's where it becomes like an obsessive disorder is where you, it's this obsessive thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. And Mm -hmm. the, like the, the, I think that's how they describe the like OCD is the obsessive this of it to the to the compulsion of doing it. Well, like, if, if you need the release, then it yeah. only, and it only lasts for a split second, then you got to keep doing it to make the release again. Right. I mean, honestly, and it never ever fixes whatever's causing the anxiety in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even if yeah. you like just transfer that idea over to smoking, you brought up smoking oil, right? You you smoke the cigarette, the nicotine hits you, it gives you that pop, right? Yeah, and then it lasts yeah. it lasts a little while, and then it wears off, and you have another cigarette. It's the same thing. Right. It's really the same yeah. idea. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Is there- and again, I think like same with the caffeine, same with many of the meds, again, same as a lot of the medications that you can take, like mm-hmm. eventually it wears off. You have to, and you have to keep feeding and feeding and feeding. But your line is at hard drugs. No, I've never done hard drugs. Interesting. You don't know why. Never. I don't know why. <sighs> yeah. I just never had an interest. You know, I, I never had the interest. Like I said, I never wanted the, I never wanted the, um, hallucinations, like any of the hallucinogenic drugs scared me, really scared me. I, I just couldn't imagine ever putting my body through that again. And so then I, like, I just, I think I just never dabbled with any of it. It just, it's not like I wasn't around it. It's not like I didn't know people that did it, but. Mm-hmm. No, cause you're just, around it all the time is my point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's very, very prevalent. I could easily get my hands on it if I wanted to. Almost anything I imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My partner's a weed smoker. I'm mm-hmm. sitting next to at the kitchen table is is a bag of weed and rolling papers. Like I, if I wanted to, I could smoke a joint right now. And I just I literally have no interest. Would not in occur it. to you to do it. Hey, this is going to seem like a right turn, but did you like the bear on Hulu? And, um, if, and if you haven't seen, it's a restaurant show. Yes and no. It was very uncomfortable for me. Okay, I'm dying to know why. It was. Uh, it's a very real look into the restaurant industry, which is wonderful. But it's there is a bit of like uh, there was a bit of discomfort in the stress and anxiety that he was going through. Mm-hmm. You know, when I get home at night, I I don't generally want to think about restaurants anymore. Sure, sure. Like, and if there a lot of those shows, like that restaurant Impossible, The Bear, even the Gordon Ramsay one where he goes into to a restaurant makeover or whatever it was. Those, they really do. They kind of make me uncomfortable. Hmm. No, I would imagine. I just, it, so yeah. you're saying it's very, it's an incredibly realistic look at it. Very, very much so. Uh, yeah. 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 I, I've, I don't know. It how was to a just... really well done show. I think, I think we got through maybe four or five episodes and it was a, a really well done show, but yeah, it was just a bit too much of a real look into what it was. There was another movie 
recently released called Boiling Point, mm-hmm. and um, where they follow the chef who uh, really does reach his boiling point on a busy Friday night. And I watched that with such extreme discomfort <laughs> when it was over. And so many people were like, oh, that movie was amazing. It was so good. And I was like, oh, God, it just felt so real. Because- felt so real in an uncomfortable in an uncomfortable way. Is do you yeah. think it just has to be that way, like a restaurant because of the te- uh, the pressure and the speed and everything, or do you think it's more about the people that get attracted to doing the work and how they react in that setting? I, yeah, I think it's probably a bit of both. Mm-hmm. I think because you really, I mean, restaurants are like fairly highly unpredictable. There's a lot that you know. Sometimes the the restaurant business will kind of slap you in the face in terms of volume of business, volume of sales, you know, yeah. it would be lovely to think that every day I go in and deal with the exact same thing, but it, it's never, ever like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're dealing with so many people and so many personalities, and it really is, you know, an intense, a highly intensive, stressful job for short bursts of time. You know, you, um, but I think at the same time, there's people that enjoy that, that stress and that anxiety. I was going to ask you, you, do you like it? Yeah. Oh yeah, I do. I do. I love it. I love the hospitality industry. Like I can't imagine doing anything else with my life. Is it like driving a race car? You think like, you're like, everything's good. We're going really fast and slow down. And now we're going to go around a corner and we might hit something, but we didn't like, is that? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. So interesting. Nicole, you've been one of my favorite conversations so far this year. Thank you. Well, thank you. It's only February, so give it time. (laughs) (laughs) Look at you cutting yourself short right away. You're like, we're only a month and a half into it, Scott. I've cleared no... I mean, I my first episode was with a paraplegic who rides a bicycle and has type 1 diabetes. It's pretty interesting, no? Yes, very, very interesting. I remember that episode. Was that this year? Yeah, it was the first episode of 2023. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was a great episode. Thank you. See? I, I really appreciate how much you listen at the end here because we're we're done because this was terrific. There's no more you need to give. And plus, I'm assuming you have to drink. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it's now almost 1 p.m. So you're right. <laughs> so now sorry. It's appropriate. I'm trying to be funny. Uh, but, um, but but can you just for a minute explain to me why you I mean, you've been the show's been on for nine years. Like this is the ninth calendar year I'm making this podcast. Have you really been listening that long to it? 2015? 2015 I started. Yeah. If not 2015, it was shortly thereafter. I think that I've listened to every episode. Mm. I really do. There's been a few recently that I haven't if they were, you know, if I didn't feel like they would be relevant to me in some way. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, um, yeah, I really have been listening that long. It's amazing. Well, I'm glad. I Thank you. I'm glad you like it. Um, Yeah, I've, I've been and I, I, you know, I know a lot of. It's funny. I do have di- type one diabetics that I talk to on a pretty frequent basis. I generally recommend the podcast. Um, yeah, I have been listening to it for a long time. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you why it makes me uh, feel good is because you just said you watched the bear and it made you very uncomfortable because it showed you a part of something you didn't want to see that you already dealt right. with, but yet you're right. listening to this and not having that same reaction. So I feel good about that. Do you know what I think the biggest um, part of it is, is that, and I think this about a lot of the Facebook groups. And I generally try to, you know, when I see people struggling with it, I always say like, I think the biggest help that you can find for yourself is another type one to talk to. 
And like I said, I have a few of those that I see on almost a daily basis where we can, you know, vent and grieve to one another. But if you don't have that access, and I mean, social media is helpful as well, but you have to know how to filter out a lot of social media. But I think the podcast does give an opportunity to listen to people who understand who are in the same scenario and kind of give it a sense of like community and, and normalcy, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It does, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm so happy to hear that. I really am. Uh, you were terrific. Uh, I, I really do appreciate you doing this. And um, Thank you. Maybe, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, I think we should just turn the whole podcast into like after dark and then for them we'll lose the after dark thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i like it Give people just, that it's it. just normal yeah and it's just normal life yeah well i think well honestly because i believe it is i i agree with you i think that it's an odd thing to say that something anything forget it like the it, uh, people wearing black t-shirts right is so prevalent in the world and yet if you didn't ever wear a black t-shirt for you to say like oh that's you know that's wrong you know, like, so it doesn't, in my mind, it doesn't matter to me if you're, if you're using something to get through the day, whether it's caffeine or nicotine or alcohol or, you know, something else, mm. you, you you can't, if, if you're not one of those people, you can't sit back and judge the others. I mean, A, because it's just so, it's so prevalent that I don't know when you stop thinking about it as a problem and just start seeing it as apparently a necessity. You know well, I, mean? I think like you can liken it to how many times have you spoken to a, and I don't, maybe not yourself, but for, for myself and, you know, there's families that come into the restaurant. And sometimes I, like I said, at the beginning of the show, I, I swear a lot, like, you know, I'll drop an F-bomb here and there. I was actually pretty good. I think um, today I didn't. I curse more than probably. you did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I, but how many times do you swear in front of a, in front of a kid? And then you go, oh, sorry. You know, and the parent often looks at you and goes like they don't hear that word at home. Like right. we all swear, we all do it. Mm-hmm. Why? Why do we censor it out? It happens. Is it the concern that because you said or, uh, we were joking about the kid who sold the pictures of his feet, and right. we were like saying we try too hard. But is it the concern that what if we all tried to sell pictures of our feet, and then who the hell would make money to pay for the pictures of our feet? Like, is it that feeling? Do you think like if we were all like if everyone was doing coke to get through the day, then right. would it not turn into like, you know what I mean? Like we need a balance of people. And I, I, I think that's obvious. Like I think there needs to be all kinds of people. There obviously are all kinds of people and you shouldn't try to eliminate any of them um, or get them to stop doing what they do. My point is that you should stop judging what they do. Well, and I was just going to say, I think we, it's, it's, thinking that we should all stop judging, but at the same time, recognizing that we all do. And I think the reason why a lot of these things go untalked about is because you never know what somebody's going to judge you for. Yeah. Right. right. So you don't want it to get spun around on, on you. Yeah. What's that? Sorry. You don't want it to get spun back around on you. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, nobody wants to, to be uh, judged for, for the wrong reason or for something that they, I mean, again, it's pretty, you can be pretty open and out there with people that you assume are, are going to be okay with it. But if I had a group of, of churchgoers come into the restaurant after church on Sunday mornings, I probably am not going to be dropping the F-bomb around them. You know what I mean? No, yeah, nothing, and nothing wrong with being respectful of other people's, like, 
situations too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I'm not saying yeah. you should be like, I mean, listen, I, there's a person I'm thinking of who I know smokes a lot of weed and mm-hmm. I have no trouble in the world with what they do. And yet I was somewhere with them recently and they were doing it and it kind of imposed on everybody else. And I thought, well, that's not okay. But I would have right. thought the same way if they would have smoked a cigarette in that situation, or I guess if they would have, uh, I don't know, I guess if they would have done anything in that situation right. that, that somehow could have been an imposition to other people. There's a balance in there. And just, I don't know. I'm just, I think what I'm saying is you have to recognize that somebody doing any number of the things that we spoke about today is not an indication that they are deficient or broken or anything like that. We should stop treating people that way. Right. You know what I mean? Just let everybody do what they need to do. We're all just trying to cope. Life is short. Yeah. That's it. All right. This was great. Nicole, you were terrific. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Absolutely. Hold on one second. I had a good time. Oh, did you? Yeah. Good. Yeah, I did. Oh, good. I'm glad. It didn't make you uh, anxious, nervous, or did it make you feel like you wanted to drink while we were talking? Or did it make you feel No. No, not at all. (laughs) Not at all. Are you saying I'm better than your therapist, Nicole? Is that (laughs) What are you paying? What are you paying that therapist? Is it forty? I know. Yeah, I yeah. pay a lot of money. Yeah, send I me probably some. Probably should stop. Why don't you send it to me? We'll just talk every week. <laughs> yeah, once a week. But I don't. I don't even see her once a week, so that's okay. You're off the hook for that much. <laughs> All right, hold on a second. Thanks. Yep. Nicole was terrific, was she not? Thank you so much, Nicole, for telling your story. And thank you to Omnipod for sponsoring this episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Is there really going to be a giant truck that goes by while I'm making this? Go ahead. Omnipod for sponsoring this episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Please go to Omnipod.com slash Juicebox to learn more. See if you're eligible for that free trial and get started with the Omnipod. That truck is so far from here and it's still loud. What the fuck are you people doing? Your cars don't need to be that loud. Jesus Christ. Uh, contournext.com forward slash juice box. Get yourself a contour next gen blood glucose meter. They're accurate, they're amazing, and you deserve accuracy. I deserve some peace and quiet while I'm trying to make this podcast, but you know, <clears throat> unlike you, I might not be able to get what I deserve. You can just go to oh, mother dog. Are you serious? Is this how this is gonna go? All right, I gotta go. I'm done. I can't take this anymore. Obviously, I'm Angabissin. You don't know that word, but whatever. Uh, I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast. Don't forget to hit the links in the show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com. Don't forget to find the private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes, and check out Bold Beginnings. Oh, my God. Defining Diabetes, the Pro Tip Series. Support the podcast. Listen to some episodes. Download it. Are you subscribed? Please listen. Look what I'm going through to make you this podcast. Please tell me you're subscribed. If you're not subscribed, I, I swear to God.